Hey, this is Tom Canton from Football.London and the Guna Talk, and you are listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Kobe Duran. You guys know me as Kobe. And today I have a soccer analyst with me. He's been doing this for a number of years. He's established himself in the industry. He's currently with the Sporting News. And we're going to ask him everything that's going on with the world game right now. Kyle Bond, how are you doing? Doing great. Thank you. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate your time and having me on. Great to have you on, buddy. Great to have you on. Before we get into what's going on in the world of soccer or football, the world game, we'll begin with where you started. You're, you're a Syracuse Orangeman? I am, yes. Uh, proud Syracuse graduate and alum and uh, I have followed them ardently since that time. I was never really a big college sports fan uh, until I went to Syracuse, but that obviously has changed. <laughs> now, which teams do you follow there? In in what sense? The you mean the Syrac of Syracuse of the Orangemen? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, obviously, the basketball team is the popular one. Um, I love the football team uh, with a, a a bless your heart kind of way. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then uh, you know lacrosse is huge at Syracuse as well. Um, so those are probably the three big ones. Now, wh- where did you grow up, Kyle? So I'm from Connecticut. Uh, I grew up in Brookfield, Connecticut, so right outside Danbury, um, very close to the New York border. And so I was always Giants, Yankees growing up. That was my that was my niche, uh, my little sector because you could you could pretty much draw a diagonal a diagonal line down from the the northwest corner of Connecticut down to the southeast corner. Anything below that line is New York. Anything above that line is mostly Boston. Um, so I was I was in the I was below the. Uh, the Connecticut Mason Dixon line, if you will. Uh, And, and so I was, I was mostly New York sports. Um, We did not really follow UConn that much uh, when I was growing up, but my brother went to UConn. So obviously he is super pumped right now. Congrats to UConn in March. (laughs) Another one, another little banner to hang in their, in their gymnasium. So I was conflicted because I hate UConn as, okay. a, as a Syracuse grad, but obviously I want my brother to be happy. And so I was, I, I'm happy for him. I won't say I'm happy for UConn, but I'm happy for him. Anyone in the family unit have a Whalers Jersey? Uh, no, I, we were mostly, I don't want to say after that, I was never really a hockey fan growing up, but we are are very uh, you know whenever I see because I live in North Carolina now so obviously the the remnants of them are are here and so whenever I see a, an old school Whalers uh, logo I I make a point to point it out. Yeah, in case you didn't know, we're located north of the border. We are actually all based in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So mm-hmm. of course, hockey is of particular interest to us. And as it as it goes, the Syracuse Orangemen have had a fair number of. Canadian lacrosse players come across there. Basketball as well. well. Jim Beheim recruited hard in Canada. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we, we got a connection there. Now let's let's get into what you're really about. What what got you started covering soccer? Well, so I was a journalism student at Syracuse, and I never really was that huge into soccer, football, football, and American football and baseball were my two favorite sports. Okay, uh, and you know we were we're we're making our way in in the journalism field while in school and trying to build our you know what we want to do and i was in broadcast but writing is a big part of that so <clears throat> i said you know i need a way to start writing just kind of an everyday thing and this was back in 2009 2010 when blogs were like a big thing you know it was like podcasting kind of is now yeah everyone had a blog yeah everybody had a blog everybody has a podcast now everybody has a blog then uh, and so I kind of got in the blog game late, but I, I think it was like, what do I want to do? So my roommates were all like, well, we're, we love the Premier League. So I had a couple of roommates who are Arsenal fans and they're like, well, we, you should start watching soccer with us. And I said, well, I don't really want to watch it unless I have a team. Because for me, I don't I actually don't watch a ton of sports as a neutral fan. It's just not really an interest of mine. So I was like, well, I want a, a team. I don't want to be an Arsenal fan because you guys are Arsenal fans. And I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to jump on with you. I don't want to be a front runner. I want to pick a team that has a little bit of juice to it. So before, before I, you, before you say that, just know that by fluke, all three hosts, the pro sports podcasters are Gunners fans. <laughs> well, uh, uh, first of all, a great season to be, to be a Gunners fan. That's right. Um, I have a soft spot for Arsenal only because of the way that I started watching soccer. Okay. Um, so I, I, you know, I watched it with my, my roommates uh, and they were Arsenal fans. So I have a soft spot for Arsenal. Uh, but I said, well, let me find a team. And I looked at Fulham and they were in the Europa League at the time. This was the year after they got to the final. So I just missed that big momentous occasion. But Clint Dempsey was there. They have a big American connection. So I said, sure, why not Fulham? Uh, and it's been a roller coaster ride ever since. But I started blogging about Fulham. Uh, I created a little like blog spot of write up and I started writing and I just kind of threw myself head first and I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. And sure enough, the timing worked out where uh, you always need a little bit of luck or a lot of bit of luck in this industry, whether it be broadcasting or writing. Mm -hmm. And NBC just got the Premier League rights that like the next year or two. And I was graduating college and, and, or I, I think I had graduated college by then, by, by a year. And I emailed some people at NBC and said, hey, do you guys need writers? And they were like, actually, yeah. So I sent them my Fulham blog and they were like, great, come on board. So I, did, I wrote for NBC for about seven years as part-time. Uh, Joe Prince Wright was my boss there, excellent human being. I owe Joe a lot. And then COVID hit and it all kind of started to fall apart. So that's uh, – and then – there was a, a big mess for a while, and I jumped on with Sporting News. So here I am. So it was it was a, a hobby, then it was part-time, and now it's full-time. Now, what, what was the scope of your writing with NBC? Was it just Premier League, or did you cover more than that? We covered more than that. We covered the gamut, but obviously because the TV broadcast team had the Premier League rights, we were very heavy, heavy, heavy Premier League. And I, my, my job still is uh, heavy Premier League, only because that's where the interest lies. And we we have a team in Lund in Leeds as well. So Sporting News has a team over in the UK that does an ex does excellent work. I would agree with you that the Premier League probably has the the largest number of eyes on it by a significant right? margin. You would be shocked. <laughs> right. It's by a significant right? margin. Yeah. 
but there there are now leagues that are doing their best and paying exorbitant amounts of money to draw attention away, and they they reside in in Saudi Arabia. What what do you think of these superstars just chasing the cash and going to Saudi Arabia? I'm a huge proponent of the the kids would say securing the bag. Okay, I think every athlete should have the right to as big a contract as they can manage. I think loyalty in sports is kind of silly only because I get it, but only because you wouldn't expect that in any other profession literally in the world. So why would you expect that of these guys? But you also have to consider the source and you have to consider who you're working for and you have to consider what that does publicly. It makes a statement whether you want it to or not. It says, I support this. And to me, that's questionable. Uh, but when you throw hundreds of millions of dollars in front of somebody, everybody has a price, I guess. Uh, that's what they say. I don't like that idea, but it's probably true. And all they're doing is meeting someone's price. Okay. Now, I'll be entirely honest. I, I watch a fair amount of soccer, okay, across a number of different leagues. And I don't know if you – are you aware of so rare? I'm sorry. What was that? Are you aware of the so rare NFT platform? No, no, sorry. Okay, so there's a a company that runs a NFT platform that's sports related. Company's based in France, and its first IP was was World Soccer, basically. And they they cover a number of the different leagues across the world. And they you can purchase NFTs and basically create fantasy rosters. It's almost like a right, right a right. dynasty fantasy system re- that requires NFTs to play. So because of that, I, I'm watching even more soccer now and even some fringe leagues. But I'll tell you what I don't watch. I've yet to watch any of the Saudi teams play a game. Now, I do hear about it because you do get bits and pieces, blurbs that are put out in, say, Twitter or somebody does a TikTok that has something to do with maybe Messi going there or or – you know, a, a feat that one of the big stars made. I'm going to, I'm going to read one to you. This is, this is off of Twitter and this is actually from a very famous soccer analyst. And it says on a day when Cristiano Ronaldo scored a brace for his new Saudi club, Al Nasir, their league rivals, Al Halal decided to one up them and offer Lionel Messi an unthinkable amount of money. Now, other than blurbs like that, that sounds familiar. It, it probably does. Cause I'm pretty sure you're the author of that particular <laughs> tweet. <laughs> now, other than blurbs like that, I, I just, I have no interest whatsoever. Like my eyes don't go that way. So yes, they're getting paid huge amounts of money. In this particular tweet, you're talking about two players that have already made huge amounts of money. Do you think it adds anything to their legacy to play there? No, no, I I don't think it adds anything to their legacy. I think it adds to their wallet. And that's that's the whole point. But think about this too. Listen to what you just said. You said, other than that, I have no interest in watching Saudi football, right? So that's why they pay those guys a lot of money because no one else would have any interest in watching Saudi football unless Cristiano Ronaldo shows up. Their Twitter account gained something like a hundred times the amount of followers when Ronaldo joined. It was the, the impact is clear. People follow their stars. And we have to remember too, that Ronaldo and Messi are unlike any other athlete in the world, right? Like sports don't stop for the players. And they won't. They will never stop for the players. But those two are 
different from the rest. They garner unthinkable followings. They pull in money. I just today covered Ronaldo's game for Al Nasser. I watched it. It's hilarious soccer. Uh, it's okay. the Saudi league. Every league has their their like unique style or stamp. The Saudi league. I I never really watched a lot, you know. But people are are interested in Ronaldo, so we're covering it at least a little bit. It is chaos on a field. Like I think MLS can get a little chaotic. This was just chaotic in a different sense. Like it was like neither midfield existed. They were just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It was insane. Uh, okay. Um, but ba- back to the point, like Ronaldo and Messi just are different in the sense that they pull more than you think. Like Real Madrid fans see tons of huge players come through their club. Yes. They're not going to follow those players when they leave the club. Like no Real Madrid fan is tuning into to Manchester United going like, I want to watch Casemiro, right? Like it just doesn't really work that way. It works that way with these two players. And so it's worth the money. And you have to remember that when it comes to sports washing, it's not about making a profit. Sports washing is about a PR push. And people now see the Saudi league as the league that Ronaldo plays in and not whatever nasty crap that they're trying to cover up. So it sports like Qatar is now the country that the World Cup was played in, not the country that outlawed being gay. So yeah. that's how sports washing works. And it's not about turning a profit at the end of the day. Do you see any new players coming up that could have that kind of effect on the game? Kylian Mbappe, for sure. Uh, yeah. 100%. I think he could be that guy. And, and it's what it's going to take for Mbappe to get there is Ronaldo and Messi to leave. Like, there has to be a void for him to fill. Right now, that void just, there's, there's not there. Ronaldo and Messi command that kind of attention. And there's really no room for somebody else. As soon as Messi and Ronaldo leave, Mbappe, I think, will take that place. But outside of him, I don't really think so. Neymar was supposed to be that guy, and he's just he's got a bum ankle, and it and it has ruined what he could have become in that sense. Um, but but yeah, I think Kylian Mbappe could could be that. And there doesn't that's the other thing is just because of the void doesn't mean it gets filled, right? There, look at golf. Look at golf after Tiger Woods. It's just nobody filled it, and and every time Tiger comes back, it's a frenzy because right. nobody has filled that void. And so there doesn't have to be a filling of that void, but the sport is better when that void is filled because people tune in who otherwise wouldn't. Okay, no, fair, fair enough. So what you and you're saying that basically uh, the Saudi League is doing what it what it wants to do, right? It's accomplished what it's after. Oh, a hundred percent, yeah, for sure. And they brought in other players. Like you look at some of these teams. Uh, you know, I was doing the game today. There's international players on either team. In fact. One of Ronaldo's teammates, um, Talisco, or Talisca, sorry, is is a Brazilian player who's had been around a couple of different places. Really good. I mean, he was probably better than Ronaldo, but Ronaldo's the name and the the social media following and the PR push, and that's all they wanted. Okay, well, fair enough. Now let's let's look at the Premier League because that's your thing. <laughs> and yeah, do you still have a soft spot for Fulham? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I still follow Fulham on a regular basis, even when I'm not covering them. I, you know, and I, and I want to make this clear too. Like, I, I think 
American sports fans don't really understand this. I think European fans do get this a little bit better because in Europe, journalists are allowed to have their allegiances, right? That's like, right. Journalists kind of get that a- allowance. Here in the U.S., we expect journalists to be like pristine and clear of all bias and all that stuff. Like, yeah. we can be unbiased. I grew up in Brooklyn, but I'm not a, I'm not a Yankees fan, really. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like, I can be unbiased and have a favorite team. Like, those two things can exist in the same world. Like, I'm smart enough and good enough at my job to not let my favorite team sway my, like we all have bias, right? Like, and, and being aware of our biases is like one of the key parts of being a a journalist or being a, a pundit or anything like that. And it's one of the easier biases to get past is having a favorite team. One of the harder biases to get past are things like your upbringing or like racial undertones, things like that. Like we all have those like, biases that we had ingrained in us as children that we just have to kind of work through. Those are hard. One of the easiest biases to work through is having a favorite team, right? Like I'm good enough of journalists that I'm not going to favor teams because they're my favorite. That's ridiculous. So I don't think people understand, like I can have a favorite team and be a good journalist. And, but yeah, I have a favorite team and I really enjoy watching Fulham. It's been a fun year. They've overperformed to the max. Burned Leno has been the best goalkeeper in the league and he has covered up a lot of problems at the back for Fulham. (laughs) They have been very bad defensively and the metrics show that they've given up the most expected goals in the Premier League, which is shocking because there are some really bad defensive teams in the Premier League. But Leno has been amazing and there have been some really good players up front. Paulinho has been great. Williams been great. Mitrovic is Mitrovic and now that's a whole thing. Uh, But they're kind of falling apart at the end of the year because that's what happens when you cover up big wounds with band-aids for all season but it's been a big success and it's been fun sign up to so rare the ultimate fantasy sports nft platform scout collect and trade officially licensed digital player cards with other fans in our open marketplace create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players real life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions so rare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. It's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved, get in the game, get some cards, and have some fun. All you have to do is sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you wanna go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare or unique cards, you can do that too, but at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because Process Podcasters, we know our thing, but so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Now, in, in the Premier League, quite often it's the, the clubs with the deepest pockets that garner the most you know attention is it is it a good thing what's happening with arsenal this year for the premier league uh i like what you did there by separating arsenal from the teams with the most money in kind of like a roundabout way i i it's, it's true I, I, well <laughs> they're still a big six club like oh, they're yeah. still yeah. a so 
as a Fulham supporter, <laughs> y'all got money, all right? Uh, but yeah, I think what Liverpool kind of did the same thing, right? Like Liverpool and, and Arsenal are kind of on the same plane. Yes. Arsenal maybe have a few more restrictions only because they've missed the Champions League for so long. They don't have that yearly cash flow. Mm-hmm. Liverpool got a little lucky, but also did well to kind of stem the time they were out of Europe. They had that those couple of years where they really kind of fell out of the top six or the top eight yeah. and then figured it out quickly and got back. Arsenal didn't really have that same trough. Like they didn't fall as far, but they haven't been able to get back to the Champions League. So having that is going to be big for the income. And, and I think Arsenal will be able to slowly build themselves back. It's Champions League is huge for sustainability. Such an advantage. Huge. Because the 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 income there is a massive disparity, even from the of the from the Europa League, but from teams that aren't in Europe, like they just you can just have, do so much more. And you can and for even not a monetary reason, like from a from a an attractive standpoint, like you have Champions League football, you're gonna get better players. So it's a big deal. And do you think that Man City is facing some serious sanctions? I'll believe it when I see it. Um, yeah. That's always been the case. you think they're going to buy their way out of this one? I don't think they're going to buy their way out. <laughs> I think there's incentive for the Premier League and for everybody else to go easy on them, right? Like, you don't want to come down hard on your most attractive product. It's just not good for business. So the Premier League has every excuse to not do that. Now, do I think that Man City might get in trouble? Sure, but I'll believe it when I see it. So I, I, it's just, I don't think the Premier League has any incentive to give them anything more than a slap on the wrist. I'm not saying that's what I, what's going to happen. It sounds pretty serious. But then you look at a team like Everton, I think Everton is hosed because the Premier League can make an example of them without losing much. That's right. So it's unfortunate that that's the way it works, and I don't think it's fair, nor do I think that the Premier League has some ulterior motive. They're not bad people. They're not like ruthless, calculating people who are sitting there going, ah, how can I screw Everton? It's just bad for business, right? Like knocking Man City off their perch is just bad for business, and that's just how it works. So we'll see. Which team do you think has underperformed the most this season? Ooh, uh, I mean, it's you, you. A perfect example was today's game between Chelsea and Liverpool. Both yes. those teams have underperformed to the nth degree in very different ways, and it was on full display in that horrid, god awful game. Uh, Chelsea can't hit the the front side of a barn, <laughs> and Liverpool just can't get out of their own way. And I think both of them, you could put put one of them, put both of them in a hat and pick one, and that would be the answer to that question. I think they've both been. Really poor this year. And I think maybe Chelsea have, have eked it out only because they keep paying tens of millions of dollars to fire managers. But uh, both have been quite underwhelming. And they both have very good rosters. Yeah. I I think based on what the, the fans expect, I, I would say Chelsea maybe – Maybe wins that one, okay? But, but yeah, but they've had so many injuries too. Like you look That's at all true. the injuries that that Graham Potter faced. Like Graham Potter was not a good fit for Chelsea, and we can we can say that with the advantage of of hindsight. I thought it was a good hire at the time, only because I thought Graham Potter is a very good manager, and I still think he's a very good manager. When you look back on it, we should have seen that that wasn't a good fit. But 
he had to deal with some some real nonsense. I mean, with the way the squad is put together, Ty Bully has not done a good job. And and the amount of injuries is just insane. And then you you tack on the fact that they can't shoot. That's not his fault, right? Like, so Graham Potter was not a good fit for Chelsea, but he got a real raw deal there. And so the injuries, you know, yeah, have they underperformed? Sure, but any team would underperform with the amount of injuries they've had. Yeah, the score the scoring is abysmal. It's really bad. They can't. I mean, I think they put together something like 2.4 XG today and still came up empty. It's <laughs> brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Now, how how much attention are you paying to the CONCACAF Nations League? Uh, some. Uh, we, you know, I, I actually looked through it yesterday because I saw that there were games this week. Okay. And we're not that far removed from the World Cup. So you're looking at, I'm talking about CONCACAF Nations here. America's facing Mexico and you have the potential of facing Canada in the final. Do the Americans see Mexico as their primary rival still, or has it now become Canada? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, there is a really interesting scenario here. First, you've got the USA-Mexico game in the middle of April, which does not fall in the middle of a, an international window, mm-hmm. which will be a weird one because both teams are going to have to draw mostly from domestic leagues. And both managers were on a press conference today that, and both basically danced around the whole idea that we have no idea who we're going to be able to draw away from their clubs. <laughs> That's right. right. Like they, there even may be some MLS or Liga MX clubs that are like, nah, you can't have our players. We need them. We're in the middle of a season. So it'll be interesting to see which players are, are called in. And then you've got USA Mexico in a semifinal of that nation's league in the summer when you'll probably have some of the top players, but maybe not all of them because they'll all have just finished a really grueling club season in Europe. So some might want to rest. Uh, the U.S. coach Anthony Hudson has talked at, at length about trying to manage guys' minutes over the, the next couple of months while he's as the interim guy. Uh, so you may not even see top players called in for that uh, tournament. But, man, the U.S. have a real chance here against Mexico. Mexico have been real bad. They've been yes. real bad. And and that's not to say it's going to be easy because it, it'll far from it. It's never easy against Mexico. But I think you have to consider U.S. favorites in that game until we see the rosters come out, obviously. But that's that's going to be a fun one. The U.S. has a real chance to, to put the hurt on. Okay. And with the next World Cup taking place in North America, you've got Mexico, the U.S., and Canada, automatic qualifiers. Does that open it up to – maybe seriously weak groups because of that? It, it'll be seriously weak groups because of the expansion, not because of CONCACAF throwing some poor teams in. It, you're going to get poor teams from every every single confederation because of the expansion. You're going to yeah. get some really bad groups. I mean, it's going to be – there's going to be some teams that do not belong in the World Cup, and it's unfortunate. I think the 32-team format is so perfect – it's so perfect, and they're going to mess with something that's not broken. I know. I'm really sad about it, uh, to be honest with you. You know, like, we'll cover it. There'll still be some great moments. There'll still be some great games. But I, th- I think the group stage is going to suck. I really do. I think the group stage is going to stink. And then you're going to finally get the 32 teams in the bracket. And how hard is it going to be to win a dang World Cup when you have to go from a round of 32 in single elimination format, you're going to get some wacko World Cup winners, which actually would be good for the World Cup to get some, you know, different countries 
Yes. Maybe get with a chance because there's going to be so much chaos that even for the top teams, it's going to be next to impossible to win a World Cup. It's already hard to win a World Cup to go from a round of 16 through and win. But now you add another single elimination game, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be wild. And and while that's fun, like the NCAA tournament is fun, right? Like we love it because it's chaotic, but the best team isn't always going to win. And it's I just think the group stage being neutered the way it is is, is a real bummer. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree with you. I'm I'm worried, to be honest, about what it's going to look like and if we're going to see some ridiculous – beatdowns of some of some nations that end up qualifying so oh, for sure <laughs> right like eight goal games or something like that where it's going to be embarrassing to watch but that's in the future let's not talk about that right now let's look at something let's look at the apple tv deal you know about this yes i have to say i don't watch a ton of mls because we don't cover it a lot so i have not i have not used the uh, Apple TV feature yet, but I okay. have Apple TV, and if I need to, I can jump in. Um, but I, you know, I've I've heard plenty of opinions on both sides of it, and uh, it's a, it's an interesting one. It really is. Um, I, I don't have any experience on the on, or any any thoughts on the experience of the Apple TV product yet. Okay, um, but I know a number of the broadcasters who are part of it, and I've heard plenty from fans. And I also just have thoughts on the concept of it. It does feel like MLS took a bit of a lump sum investment without thinking about not just not the product. It sounds like, to be honest with you, that the product is actually quite good. Okay. What what I worry about is you're pushing casual fans away. So everybody who is watching has subscribed, right? Yes. That inherently pushes casual fans away because nobody's tuning in ESPN one night and going, oh, look, MLS is on. I'll sit down and watch that. That's right. There's none of that. It's zero. Gone. So the only residual of that is the few games that I think are on Fox. I think they have a couple games on Fox still. It's That is short-sighted to me. Yeah, that, that was really my question for you, right? Because it, it's it, do you see it as a a good move by MLS or a bad move? And I'm obviously you're leaning toward bad. I'm leaning towards bad. I think the, the obviously they got a, a great deal, right? Like the the payment was really good, and it's hard to turn that down. You know, mm-hmm. for a, a business when you're trying to run a profitable business, it's hard to turn that down. But you have to think about sustainability and I don't think this streaming service is good for sustainability only because I think we're still, and it's kind of weird to say this because streaming has been around for a while now. I I think we're still not there yet with streaming. I think especially when it comes to sports, we're not there yet. Right. Cable TV is still king and there are many ways to consume cable TV, but this is not that You, you, this isn't like, you know, you're you're on an obscure cable TV channel, but that's okay because it's still on a bunch of streaming. So, you know, it's, it's not – you're not really still accessible. This is a fully subscription-only platform, and I think we're too early for that. I think – I think will that eventually be a relatively dominant thing? I do. Look at what Major League Baseball is doing. Amazon Prime, you know, it's kind of a pain in the butt, really, is how many – freaking services you need to watch baseball nowadays. But 
it does seem like this is moving in that direction. And I get maybe MLS wants to kind of get ahead of the curve, but by doing so and getting ahead of the curve, you are sacrificing some key elements of sustainability, which is that accessibility. It's not accessible anymore at all. Yeah, I think it also might be a move by Apple looking ahead toward the the next World Cup, right? Trying to kind of maybe eat out a little more of that market share as the build up to the next World Cup in North America yeah, happens. Yeah, it's a that that's a lot. Like three and a half years is a long way away to Talk be about big pockets, though, right? Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot can happen between now and then in the sense that and, you know, there's a report that came out a couple of days ago uh, from random Twitter accounts who I don't know how, I don't know how believable that is. Right. Like who knows, but, but it's a weird thing to lie about uh, that, that Apple TV was really disappointed in the initial subscription uh, uh, numbers, Oh, you know, already. And, and now you've still got three years to go before the world cup. I, you know, you're going to lose a lot between now and then if that's the case. Uh, Again, I'm not saying that that's true. I just, I saw that sort of being passed around MLS Twitter, but I don't, know why it wouldn't be true again it seems like a weird thing to just make up yeah that'd be a strange thing to just throw out there yeah so i'm worried about the long terms of effects of this it could be a revolutionary thing maybe maybe sports does transition into streaming pretty soon but i i just i think you're pushing away a lot of very important customers and that's new customers there you go. I hope, I hope they're listening. I hope they're listening. Now, while we're on the topic of social media, where can our fans find you on social media, Kyle? Yeah. So I am uh, the underscore bonfire on a Twitter, and that's where I'm, I'm most active by far. And then same handle, the underscore bonfire on Instagram as well. That's bonfire with two N's, B-O-N-N-F-I-R-E. So uh, feel free to give me a follow on either of those places. I'm, I'm much more active on Twitter. And I am on Instagram. Um, I have a severe ADHD and uh, even Instagram just is too much effort to, to create content right now. I like that I can just type quickly and blast it out there on Twitter without having to worry about images and stickers and links and all that stuff. But I am on both platforms and I am at least somewhat active on Instagram. So, uh, And then, of course, uh, sportingnews.com. That's where all of my content lives as uh, as it should. And uh, I will hopefully be there for a while. That it's, let me tell you what, man. It, I, I've been with Sporting News now for about a little under a year and a half. Okay. And I, I, it is a wonderful place to work. And it is a wonderful publication. And if folks have not – they pay me to write. They don't pay me to say things like this. So I promise <laughs> you this is coming from a, a place of sincerity. Um, please, please support Sporting News in any way you can because there are some really great people at the company and who are really trying to serve the readers. It's really a focus of ours. Obviously, every publication wants whatever your target is, be it page views, clicks, subscriptions, whatever, views. But for us, we really, really try hard. We have we have a lot of discussions about how best to serve the reader. How can we do what everybody's doing, but more thorough? And so I really hope that people come check it out because I'm, I've been impressed since I've been there with how focused everybody is at the company to serving our readers. And I think that's something that's lacking nowadays in a lot of different places. 
No, that's fantastic to hear, man. It's awesome that you you love where you work. That's the best feeling ever. So it, it is, and I can say that as somebody who didn't love some of my the past places. And, and let me make it clear, NBC is not one of those. Uh, I had a great time at NBC. Like I mentioned, I, I owe Joe and, and a lot of my old coworkers a lot. Um, but I have been places that I I didn't love, and it really drains you. So um, you know, I I I look at it too, and maybe this will help. Uh, some folks who are questioning my sincerity here is pumping up the place <laughs> I work. I, you know, I, I look at a place like the athletic and I think they do a, a similar thing where they really say, what does the reader need? And then what does the reader want? And let's give them both. And I think that's a focus for us. And I see it at a place like the athletic as well. I think they do a wonderful job. So it, it does exist out there. Um, it's, it's just not truly pervasive. So I like to, to highlight that. All right on shout out to the athletic. Now, before we let you go, one last question for you. Who do you think will qualify for Europa League out of the Premier League? Wow, that's a very specific question to end on. I love it. I still, I'm having my doubts, but I still think Manchester United are are the third best team in the league. Okay. So I think you put them at three. I think Newcastle looked darn good, man. Especially lately. I know. And, and you know, I think they, what's... What sucks is I think their season comes with a little bit of an asterisk because of of how they've been able to acquire talent so quickly because of the investment. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, you you always like to see that with a club, but where it comes from, I just can't get behind that, and and so it's a bummer for me. But they are fun to watch. It's a, it's a good team, and and I think they finish. I think United and and Newcastle finish three four, and then who's left? You've got Spurs in fifth. Yeah, Tottenham. Again, my ADHD gets the best of me when it comes to recall, so I always have to pull this up. So, I, you know, you're looking at now who's who's left. So Spurs in fifth. I the red man is crowded. Uh, Fulham are are not in contention. Unfortunately, it pains me to say they are they are trending downward. They're they're going to be without Mitrovic. The defense is just struggling. Does Brighton keep it going? And, and I'm basically now I'm looking at two teams out of four of Brighton. Villa, Liverpool, and Brentford. And I'm going to turn it upside down here. I'm going to say Liverpool and Brentford, who are currently in eighth and ninth, are going to end up in sixth and seventh. I think those are the two best teams. I, I mean, I have tons of they're, – they're not great teams, but they're good. I think Liverpool, you just fall back on that – it's a talented roster. It's a it's a good enough roster that should be making the Europa League. Yes. And then I, every time I watch Brentford, I'm impressed. and. Thomas Frank should be at a bigger club. He really should. So I'll say Liverpool and Brentford. I, you know, it's harsh. Villa is a good team, and and Brighton is a really impressive team too. Oh yeah, the season fantastic, man. Fantastic. And and now that you know, I'm looking at it. They have a game in hand, so that they have a three point advantage and a game in hand. That might be too much to overcome, but I still think to me, Liverpool and Brentford are the two best teams of those four. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Good. Good having you on, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate that. I very much enjoyed this conversation. So thanks for having me on. I'm going to have to check back in with you once the season's over. Take a look at how your picks did and talk (laughs) a little more premiership next time you got some time. Anytime. Let me know. Fantastic, man. Great to have you on, Kyle. And we'll look forward to the next one. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, 
access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our Insider Tips, Sponsor Giveaways, and Insider Newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcast's experience, where no sport is left behind.